0: All right, so let's talk a little bit about the markets here.
1: Welcome to Bull Bear Radio.
2: Market pricing is nuts.
1: Each week, we catch up with WBI's experts, Matt and Don Schreiber.
2: Down 77%. You know what you need to recover from that? A miracle.
1: WBI brings you wealth-building market insights.
0: hi i'm matt schreiber and this is bull bear radio hey don schreiber how's it how's it hanging today man it's all good matt all good right. in the hood it's good that's good in the good. hood. all right so hey gdp came out last week softer number than everybody was expecting 2.6 percent for the fourth quarter on the first estimate that's been put out here don what is going on? Why not a, a three to four,
2: you know, percent number? What, what's going on? Talk to me. Well, there's a, hey man, there's a couple of things that are going on. There's really a lot of good news in Enlighten the report. Us. Enlighten hey, us. Hey, you have to dissect the numbers. You got, you can't just look at the headline. You got to look at the whole report. So we had a big inventory adjustment that took about seven tenths off GDP. That was more of a one time event. We also had a huge Bigger imbalance between imports and exports, where we exported about twice what we imported, and that shaved about 1.1 off GDP. So let me see. If I add up 1.1 plus 7 tenths, I get 1.8. And if I add that to to 2.6, we've got a 4 number. we got 4.2.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's all about the the imports subtracted about 1%, at least another half a percentage point from inventories. So if you did add one and a half, you're you're talking a real strong four number. Uh, And normally the imports and inventories number only shaves off about 1% combined. So, you know, even a half a percentage point puts you uh, northwards of three if it were normalized. But let's talk about imports for
2: one more second here. Does a dollar have something to do with all this? So you know we got this weak dollar trend, and nobody can figure out quite why, except for you know um, Mnuchin, uh the tr- Secretary of the Treasury Steve Mnuchin, and President Trump, both have indicated that a weak dollar's okay. I thought you were going to say so, We
0: had to look at the minutiae here, which we are doing. Ha ha! So so <laughs> we had, so stinking funny. So I, I, what we have? I, I guess nobody's oh God, laughing out just, there. So I'm we. Bra- I, I'm not going to be on SNL
2: one day, unfortunately. I'm breaking up about it. So, uh, you know, they indicated that a weak dollar is okay. We still have a strong dollar policy in the U.S. long term. So, you know, with interest rates rising in the U.S. Faster than anywhere else in the world, and we've got QE adjustments, you know, balance sheet adjustments, I would imagine our interest rates are going to rise, which should make our dollar stronger. I think the dollar trend is much stronger. You know, Larry Kudlow was breaking this down on CNBC the other day. And, you know, he, he said, look, we've got rising interest rates in the U.S. We've got the strongest economy. We're going to have a dollar strengthening trend sometime oh, speak, soon. Speak of the strongest economy. The U.K.
0: came in at 0.5% for Q4. How about that? not so good. No wonder why Theresa May's got some issues over there. I mean 0.5% really? That's, that's hey, they pretty bad, dude. They
2: haven't even gone through
0: bre- Brexit, Brexit yet. yet. You know? I mean and they're no. st- uh, yeah, and it's bad. It's bad news. By the way, this is the third longest growth streak uh trending back to the 1850s. Can you believe that?
2: I believe it. I believe it. And I think that people Since the recession. are under under underestimating all of the tumblers, you know, I, I call them cosmic tumblers that have clicked in place here, you know, both on, you know, corporate corporate uh, growth is fantastic. So, Don, cosmic
0: we- tumblers, should I ask you what your favorite movie is going to be this season? Uh, just kidding around. I <laughs> I remember one time we were on, uh, you know, the news a while back, and they were asking you, you know, like, "Hey, you know, what's your done? What do you think is going to be the best movie of this season?" It was. You're like, "What are you talking about? I'm here to talk about stocks in the markets and the economy, man, not movies."
2: I have I have a a a relatively narrow le- uh, degree of expertise. Uh, handicapping movies doesn't happen to be one of them. I got you. So,
0: you know, hey. By the way, state-by-state state GDP came in for the third quarter. This lags this information a little bit, but, man, it was blockbuster. It
2: was well, you crazy. pay attention to that. That's your area of uh, analyst expertise. Give it to us, Matt. Well, you know,
0: Delaware was was the leader, 5.7% GDP, little little tiny Delaware, uh, and, and the laggard was South Dakota, 0.5% growth. But look, man, when you look across the country— it really was an insane quarter. Texas, five percent, California back from you know the brink of disaster a year later now, 3.4%. The East Coast, the West Coast, everybody is is trending, you know, in the three to four percent range. New Jersey, 2.7%, Connecticut, 3.9%, Rhode Island, 3.5, Massachusetts, 3.8%. I mean, this is this is really strong stuff here, and it's led by uh, finance insurance uh, grew fourteen point seven percent nationally. Uh, so that was huge. Uh, that's one of the biggest contributors to Delaware's growth. Durable goods manufacturing increased seven point five percent, and this is the sixth consecutive quarter of growth there information services grew nine percent nationally if you can believe that so there's some really killer uh you know things going on across the country in terms of growth by the way when you look nationally investment in business equipment don
2: eleven
0: and a half percent almost year over year increase is this going to continue
2: Hey, listen, I'm I'm really liking what I see. You know, if you were uh, running a state, you got to love some of this growth rate, some of these numbers. You know, I don't think the administration is getting the credit that it deserves. We were reporting on state by state GDP two quarters ago, two quarter ago releases and things were looking glum. You know, we we're seeing negative numbers, not positive trending numbers. Yeah. This is like they blasted off and they're going higher. And
0: speaking of glum, I mean, it looked like a couple of quarters ago, like the consumer was going to fall off a cliff, for God's sakes, up uh, 3.8 to, percent to finish the year in terms of consumer spending. That's ki- that's incredible, given some of the debt numbers that we were seeing. Now, granted, personal incomes were only up marginally um you know and and most of the spending was you know tapping into uh other uh other uh methods of of trying to spend debt
2: you know credit card debt debt and savings right so you know personal income uh, in december was up three tenths light you know what do you think wasn't wasn't high do you think we're going to see some growth here this year in that number well, you know, I, I, I said at the uh, top of, uh, of the year in 2017, right at the end, towards the end of the year, that we, were, we the consumers started to weaken a bit, you know? Their trend was starting to weaken, and I was hopeful, and I am still hopeful, that the extra jingle in the consumer's pocket that is created by the reduced taxes of the Tax Act is going to help consumers continue a a pretty strong uh, spending trend. Hey, you know, one of the things we didn't talk about, the star, the superstar of the GDP reports is business investment or spending off the chart strong. Yeah, capital expenditures crushing it. 8%, man, growth rate. That is
0: huge, huge. Very, very solid. So hey, let's let's talk a little bit about earnings season. Earnings so far this season. What what are you thinking on the numbers that you've seen so far? Uh, over a quarter of companies reporting. Uh, about three quarters of them uh, beat expectations, depending on the, the source that you were looking at. But what's what's your uh, your take
2: on earnings season so far, Don? Some pretty interesting stuff. I mean, FactSet had uh, uh, beats at eighty-one percent right? So we got uh, 81% of companies beating expectations. That is the highest percentage beat ratio ever recorded by FactSet since they started uh, keeping track of this number in 2008. So that's a pretty strong number. Yeah, Uh, You know, and I think that we're going to see some uh, pretty blockbuster earnings. And this is really before we get uh, any uh, increase in in net income or or earnings because of the tax reduction this q4 was not affected uh by that so you know when you get into q1 q2 q3 we're going to see some tax effect adjusted earnings and they're going to be really high the thing i think is going to be telling the tale about this next cycle where we're going to go is going to be revenue what is the growth trend in revenue, Matt? What did it look like so far for the fourth quarter with well, about quarter well, of the so companies?
0: far, uh, 138 companies reporting, uh, according to Bloomberg. So far, revenue is looking pretty strong at 7.99 percent with 130 companies, 38 companies reporting, and earnings up 11.01 percent. So looking real strong there from, from an earnings perspective, the consumer, consumer discretionary uh, grew at uh, a pretty good rate in the fourth quarter, about 11%. It's cl- very close to the average, 10.59% here. And uh, earnings were very similar uh, for consumer discretionary. So you finish that thread up 7% for sales growth on, on that. But the leading sectors, number one for earnings growth, energy up 105%. Materials, and you've liked this sector. You've been talking about this for a long time. Big fourth quarter. Earnings, 40.98% increase. How about that? And then information technologies, number three. 32.78% 32.78% increase in earnings there, followed by healthcare and consumer discretionary for number four, number five revenues, number one, energy, two, materials, three, healthcare. So a similar order there. Don, what are you thinking in terms of um, you know energy, materials, infotech? Do these trends continue? I've seen that oil expri- exploration in the United States is off the charts at the moment.
2: Well, a couple of the other sectors that are also strong reporting a 100% beats would be telecom and utilities, which really surprises me. These are your higher yielding sectors. And, you know, um, they, they're starting to get uh, taken a, a little bit of a price beating in the marketplace as interest rates continue to rise. You know, we've got the, the highest 10-year uh, treasury in a long, long time. And we expect interest rate uh, hikes to continue. But, you know, with really strong earnings – on a relative basis, these sectors, if they get beaten up because interest rates are rising, are the place to invest next. Sure. So you know, let's let's take an aside here.
0: We, we're going to have a turnover at the Fed here. Do you think Jerome Powell uh, is going to raise rates a little bit faster than anticipated, potentially?
2: Well, I think so. You know, one of the things you see in the news media right now all the time is is this discussion about animal spirits. Animals, you know, sp- pushing animals, animal spirits. spirits. What are pushing you talking the market about?
0: Eye. Animals, <laughs> animal spirits. Well, you you talk about that, and and some of these, uh, you know, the Schwabs and the TD Ameritrade. So big Wall Street Journal article on it this week. Uh, TD fourth quarter up seventy two percent in Q four in new account openings for for the fourth quarter for TD Ameritrade. You talk about the herd animal instincts and getting animalistic here i mean people are jumping into this market here schwab's business in 2017 up 49 percent in new retail accounts half of those folks were under 40 i think we can talk about that later we'll talk about the millennial effect and maybe uh you know um, well matt, matt you're psychology right I mean, a little bit you know this the great half.
2: Hate, hate this great hated bull market uh the the high return sets you know seven percent so far this year on the S&P, you know, for the first four uh weeks, you know, are dragging investors, not kicking and screaming. They're running and cheering right into the market.
0: Right. I mean, the market was up two point two point two percent last week on the S&P,
2: if you can believe that
0: two percent last week.
2: And we've got the highest I wonder why people level are jumping in. of retail investor trading
0: ever. Yeah, well, do you do you think people are are jumping in here, you know, thinking about this logically, and and it's more like if let's do a diving analogy. This is like you know uh, you're you're on the high platform, a couple of Chinese divers synchronized up there, go in, no splash in the water, or are investors diving off the high platform? If you ever watch the diving in the Olympics, and they're going to do the belly flop, and it's going to hurt really,
2: really bad. Well, they might even break some stuff. You think it's going to be that bad? I I do. I think when this thing unwinds, you know, you get this kind of aggressive, you know, overshoot uh, everywhere and animal spirits. You know, I was thinking this morning, what kind of animals are we talking about? I think we're talking about the ones that filled up Jurassic Park. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, we got animal spirits that look like, you know, Tyrannosaurus Rex running into the market. Right right. at the moment.
0: So, Don, after the break here, let's talk a little bit more about investor psychology and jumping into the markets here. I also want to get to uh, the repatriation of capital from offshore, you know, for these American companies. The repatriation bonanza. Say that a few times fast. Bonanza.
2: It's a big bonanza. No,
0: try and say repatriation five times really fast. I bet you guys do that while we're on the break here. Talk to you in a minute.
1: Interested in practice management and market commentary? For our up-to-the-minute take on markets and the economy, follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn at WBI Investments. Are you interested in practice management and other insights on how to navigate today's market conditions? We also post regular market commentary on our website, WBIinvestments.com.
0: And we're back. So, hey, if you're not following us on Twitter, go follow us on Twitter, uh, Bullbear Radio, Or, you know, if you want more up-to-date thoughts on the markets as, you know, we see some news and stuff, follow uh, Don over at WBI CEO or myself at WBI President. Share the podcast with people, folks. You know, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play. We're on SoundCloud if you use that. We're on desktops. We're everywhere you'd want to be. So, Don, let's talk repatriation bonanza. Uh, Dude, so many companies have so much money offshore. What are these guys going to do with the money?
2: So there's basically four things you can do with this cash held offshore, uh, maybe five. You can increase wages, give bonuses, which people have been doing. But you know the major component of the um, the capital that's held offshore are going to go into either stock buybacks, dividend repurchases. They're going to go into business investment and 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 uh, spending, and or uh, mergers and acquisitions. So those are the Four primary things that you can do with the capital, and the easiest screen for the stocks that are going to have the most impact over the next couple of quarters are those companies with the largest cash held offshore, these big buckets so, so of money you about? relative to their market cap.
0: So, who are you talking about? Who are some of these companies that really could, uh, you know, move the needle here? And maybe have, you know, returns that also look pretty attractive because, you
2: know, they're reinvesting in their business and their employees. So Franklin Resources is number one, tickers B-E-N, Ben. And uh, they're a company that has 37% of their market value held offshore in cash. $8.7 billion relative to a $24 billion market cap. That's a whopping number. You know, they just announced about a week ago that they bought a large European asset manager with some of that cash. It was a $10 billion uh, assets under management company. We're going to see some of that. So there's your M&A right there, right? So Franklin Resources used a little bit of their cash to buy a competitor so that they're more competitive in the European marketplace. All right. Who else? Who is that? Who else is on this list here? So number two, Cisco. Cisco's got 34%, $67.5 Thirty-four percent, sixty-seven and a half billion relative to almost two hundred billion in market value. Wow. We're talking about a whopping amount of cash, and you know they're big stock buyback company. They're going to make what they've done in the past with stib- stock buybacks look like child's play. We expect them to really pile on. So uh, I'd look for Cisco, C S C O. You know, right. Qualcomm is number three. Qualcomm's got, you know, 30% uh, offshore. And then they got my favorite, right? APPL stands for Apple Incorporated. Here is a company that has $252 billion of cash held offshore, just like you mentioned, Matt, with about almost a $900 billion market cap, 28%. But can you imagine allocating $252 billion? We're talking about a lot of capital, folks. So I... I wouldn't. I would say you know these are safer bets because they got to do something with this money. It's gonna move the stock price when they decide what they're gonna do. And so, 2018, these companies are gonna have higher uh, you know performance potentially.
0: But, you know, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, are they on the list here.
2: You know, they're further down the list. Um, number five is uh, NetApp, N T A P. You know, they've got 27. percent Here's one for you. If you like that, uh, you know, uh, healthcare. Uh, biotech kind of a thing, Amgen. They've got thirty-six billion in cash, wow. which represents twenty-seven percent of their market value. Like in that, then hmm. you've got Oracle. Here's a big name, right, in the infotech area. Yeah, uh, number seven, 27 percent in in cash held offshore. And then and, again, and a lot of these aren't
0: know, aren't aren't the uh, you know the fang or even the top ten performing stocks last year. So this could be something that's a little bit different than you know, the market cap weighted to top end of the market here. Some of these guys are close, but it's it's interesting because some of these guys are way far down the list, like NetApp, too. You
2: bet. Even hey, Qualcomm. Microsoft. How yeah, about yeah. that? Microsoft, Num- yeah. Microsoft, number 11, $128 billion in cash. Wow. Similar to Apple, in Holy this case, um, only 19% of their capital or their market value held offshore. But you're still yep. talking about, you know, $125 Man, billion in capital. And, you know, I don't think that their stock price reflects what that amount of capital can do for the company on a reinvested basis. They get to unlock that. Microsoft's a pretty good capital allocator. They're, you know, the largest software provider in the world. They're going to make some stuff happen with that. That's right. So that's these right. are these are companies I think that, you know, our listeners should be looking at. You can run the same screen I did. Um, we used Bloomberg uh, to run the screen uh, about a week ago. Well, that's interesting. And, yep. You know. As of one eleven eighteen, that's where these companies were. I think that uh, you know it's worth a look. As usual, these are these are our opinions, and and they're well informed opinions. So uh,
0: we're we're going to continue here. Uh, what effect will will the repatri- repatriation have on the markets? Do you think, Don? Well,
2: I think the markets are going to go higher. I just think- said, you know, we got. We got lots of cash. you are talking about you think trillions and trillions of dollars okay. of capital. Well, so if you think if you think about it this way, right, to get out of the uh, terrible financial crisis and fix we we're in, the Fed expanded their balance sheet, right, yep. by three and a half trillion dollars to do QE, and that really helped, you know, the markets and the economy put into a a, a positive trend from an unbelievably negative near depression-like trend and we've got not three and a half trillion but we've got 2.6 to three trillion dollars almost three trillion dollars of capital that could be repatriated back and get it working in the u.s economy this could be really powerful because we're not coming out of depression-like conditions you know one of the worst uh, recessions in history We are actually in a positive growth trend environment. And so, you know, we could see some really interesting things here happen. And, you know, I don't think that the Trump administration, the Republicans um, and the Democrats are really aware of, you know, what happens when you apply a lot of capital flows in a capitalist system. This has got to really push the economy and therefore stock prices Uh, quite a bit higher. I think people are going to go pretty much uh, bonkers when yeah. they start to see what happens.
0: Well, you know, earnings have risen pretty pretty nicely over the last year. There's no doubt about that. But earnings aren't keeping uh, you know pace with the, the stocks moving higher. We have a P.E. multiple expansion that's significant. I, I mean, I cracked open Barron's this weekend. The trailing 12-month P.E. for the S&P is 26.8 now. FactSet's got the forward at 18.4, average for both long terms around 15. So you're saying that we could still continue to see a P.E. multiple expansion and the growth underlying does support higher prices in your estimation.
2: Yep. You bet. You know, this is uh, remember, uh, I think 2017 to me uh, is deja vu back to 1998. This year, 2018, may look a lot like 1999's unbelievable melt up. Um, And Mm -hmm. obviously the risk is when things get really, really crazy in the marketplace, and just the overvaluation is is so outsized, like we had a thirty-one trailing PE on the S and P five hundred going into two thousand. Get a grip! We're yeah. almost there now. Hey, do you and, so? Do you think the flock flies into the market here? You bet. You know, it's kind of like the flock flying through. Uh, you know the skies that are filled with these large jumbo jets. Every once in a while, they, splat. Uh, <laughs> they yeah, splat. You know, get sucked into one of those engines. It's a bad deal. Oh, that is a bad
0: deal. So you're saying next year could be the the splat event? We're if we're in '99 now, 2019 could be the real splat of you know event for the market.
2: Well, we got to pay attention, and you can't afford to throw away the concept of risk management. You know, we put out uh, I put out an article last week that you know, people are abandoning hedging. Both both the institutional and the retail trade are abandoning hedging yeah, or well, or risk management. This is not the, the time to abandon here. risk yeah, management. You can
0: get in the market here and and not get into SPY or some passive ETF. You actually can get in a a manager who is picking stocks. That, that might actually outperform in a market like this, too. Maybe not get all of it, but they if they don't get all of it, maybe they'll do better on the downside. I mean, you know, I, I see all this uh, equity inflows last week were huge. Uh, it, it seems like millennials are getting into the market. Do you think they should be buying something besides Facebook and Snapchat?
2: Matt, what do people historically do? Do they buy low?
0: No, they typically buy high. And uh, that really can have a devastating effect on capital. So we're I'm because worried they, about that
2: because they sell low. Well, right? they bail so, and
0: fail on their investment strategy because they 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 fly into the market. They don't think about risk. They think there's no risk in the market anymore.
2: There's always risk. Well, the markets would lead you to believe, and I, we've always said this. You know, sometimes the market makes investing look easy investing is never easy sometimes the market just fools you into buying into this concept of hey man the markets are going to keep going up they're going to go up forever they're not we don't know when the break is going to happen but the more overvalued the more hypervalued the markets get and hyper uh investors are chasing returns like there's no tomorrow gotta yeah, have them. yeah 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 you know th- this is this is a classic build-up to something really bad well, happening you know, at some time in the near future. The funny thing is so many advisors have been pressured by
0: their, um, you know, investors to move more towards passive in the last year, year and a half, and more and more of investor capitals in passive. Should, should people be looking for alternatives at this point right now? to the passive push, whether you're, in, you know, investing on like Betterment or Wealthfront or these types of things, or you're with an advisor, how, how should you be getting in? If you were getting in right now, Don, what would you do?
2: So one thing I wouldn't do is abandon risk, risk management. You know, you got to have risk management. You got to have somebody who knows what they're doing It time tested. You know, we at WBI, we have that. We've got time tested risk mitigation strategies. We've been through several Uh, bear market cycles where we've been able to control the down market uh, losses. And it's the most powerful thing you can do to uh, be successful as an investor. Hey, you know. This um, passive trade's dangerous.
0: It is. And I'm going to leave everybody with this, and then this is all the time we've got today. So if you invested a million dollars in the S&P 500 in 2000, if, if you invested in the index directly and you needed to take income out. And you took out $50,000 per year. Take the withdrawals monthly over that time. And each year, year number two, so on and so forth, through the end of last year, actually adjusted for 2.5% annually upwards. So you have a rising income stream that keeps pace with inflation. If you took systematic withdrawals from the S&P 500, you ran out of money. The mighty mighty S and P five hundred ran out of money, and why do you think There's, that
2: is, Don? The zero, the zero cost passive index. You put in a million, you took out a little bit more than a million, just about in a million cash flow, yep. right? Yep. And you ran out of money.
0: Yeah, even with a two hundred and fifty eight percent cumulative return since two thousand and nine you ran out of money, if you can believe that. And, and if you want to, to learn more about that study we've just done, happy to help you guys out there. But that's the tidbit we leave you with today. If you are running towards a passive index and you're a retiree that needs income, this is the time when you do need that risk management. Because if you have uh, to take money out systematic withdrawals can turn into systematic liquidations and the market just may not bail you out so that's all we've got time for here on bull bear radio today thank you for joining us please share us with your friends uh we're on apple podcast itunes google play we thank you for uh barring your ears for almost a half an hour each week and uh we'll come back to you next week thanks again this is Bull Bear Radio, where each week you can count on our real market news and advice. Catch all of our podcast episodes at WBIinvestments.com
1: past performance does not guarantee future results. The views presented are those of the podcast participants and should not be construed as investment advice. Podcast participants or clients of WBI may own stock discussed in this recording. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. This is not an offer to buy or sell any security. No security or strategy, including those referred to directly or indirectly in this podcast, is suitable for all accounts, are profitable all of the time, and there is always a possibility of loss. Moreover, you should not assume that any discussion or information provided here serves as a receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from wbi or from any other investment professional to the extent that you have any questions regarding the applicability of any specific issue discussed to your individual situation please consult with wbi or the professional advisor of your choosing this information is compiled from sources believed to be reliable accuracy cannot be guaranteed information pertaining to wbi's advisory operations services and fees is set forth in wbi's disclosure statement in part 2a form adb a copy of which is available upon request the S P 500 withdrawal scenario assumes a hypothetical one million dollar initial investment from 2000 to 2017 with 50,000 annual income taken in monthly increments with no withdrawal for the first month. Indices are in management and cannot be invested in directly.